Okay, uh, Ephesians 6. Today we're talking about the shield of faith. Uh, you're welcome to turn in your Bible to, to all these scriptures we're going to be looking at. Um, normally, I like for people to turn in the Bible and see it in their own Bible. Uh, but today, it's a bit different, so I've really basically done all the scriptures for you here. But you're welcome to turn to them if you want to, and you might want to make a note or underline something. But we're in Ephesians 6, uh, 10. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. So if we're strong in the Lord, that means we're strong in the word. Amen? Because God and His Word are one. The word, uh, verse 11, the understood subject here is you. You put on the whole armor of God. And this is something that we have to do, nobody else can do. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear sermons about, you know, you get up in the morning and you put your armor on and all this. And I heard Charles Cap say, well, why did you ever take it off in the first place? <laughs> you know, you need to sleep in your armor. <laughs> Never take it off. Especially but, when you're asleep. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're not conscious. Yeah. But this is something we do. Nobody else can do for us. And we have to deal with these powers principalities and things that try to get to us through our flesh and through our natural desires. Everybody say unseen influences. Unseen influences. Now, um, the word, uh, we're, we're, you'll notice here in verse 12, it gives us a list of these powers of darkness, uh, demonic forces, in Satan's kingdom, he has a hierarchy and a rank and file of evil spirits, much like the military. Uh, generals at the top, privates at the bottom, and they all have assignments and uh, positions that they're responsible for in his kingdom. Uh, so it's much like the military. And this, this is, verse 12 is a list uh, of those rank and file evil spirits starting with the top generals and finishing with the bottom. Uh, it'd be an interesting study made, maybe to go through that sometime. We're not going to do that today. But I'll just mention that the word principalities there is the Greek word um, arcus. And it means uh, ancient times. So it implies that these principalities or these so-called generals at the top 
of Satan's kingdom have been in these high positions since ancient times, probably since the fall of Lucifer. So, um, so I just wanted to, to make you aware, this is, these are ranks uh, starting at the top, working down to the bottom of, of demonic spirits uh, in Satan's operation. Okay, so um, it says these spiritual hosts, uh, spiritual forces, are in heavenly places. Uh, the Bible talks about three heavens, the heaven where God is, the heaven where outer space is, and then the heavens just above the earth's atmosphere, uh, which most Bible scholars believe that's where these powers and principalities and forces of Satan operate, is just in this heaven, the heavens just above the earth's atmosphere. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10. Three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We have flesh and blood bodies in the physical natural realm, but we're not dealing with flesh and blood people and problems. Uh, if you've got a neighbor that's harassing you or your boss is harassing you or, you know, some, some, you're, somebody's in strife, trying to stir up strife with you, uh, the people are not the problems. The, it's not flesh and blood people you're dealing with. There are unseen influences, demonic influences, that are driving these people to do what they're doing. And they're not even aware that they're under these influences. So our struggle is not with people, really. That's why we don't respond and react to the people. We need to start zeroing in those uh, these powers and principalities unseen influences that are driving these people to behave the, the way they are. So uh, Ephesians 6.12 here where it talks about all these powers and principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world. This is in agreement. Uh, here what Paul says, we wrestle not um, with uh, flesh and blood but against the principalities and the powers. Uh, this is in agreement with what we just uh, read in Ephesians 6.12, uh, where here it talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This, he's referring to these evil forces we just read about in Ephesians 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural. That word means natural or changeable or limited. The weapons of our warfare are not limited. Satan's weapons are limited. Our weapons are not limited. He's limited to the natural physical realm. We're not limited to that realm. He has been kicked out of the spirit realm. He's limited to this earthly natural realm. We have authority not only in the natural, we have authority in the spirit as well. So that's why we have authority over him and all these forces but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So our spiritual weapons 
are mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds in the physical, natural realm. And that's where Satan operates. And if you, if you start responding to these people in the natural and you start reacting to them in the natural, now you're getting... Uh, now you're getting in the, you're getting on the natural level where they are. You're getting on the natural level where the devil operates, and the devil will beat you every time. And this is why Brother Hagen used to say, if you can keep Satan in the in the faith realm, uh, you're you're using the word of God against him. You you keep him in the faith realm with the word of God. You will defeat him every single time. But if you allow him to drag you over and start responding to people in the natural and reacting to their ignorant behavior, then the devil's going to get the upper hand on you. So this is why we have, to, we have to see beyond the people and deal with these forces that are operating behind them. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural or limited, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down, this is how we do it, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The Amplified translation, do I have the Amplified? Yeah. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. So we get the knowledge of God through his word. If you don't know the word, then you can't cast down these imaginations uh, because it's how the only way we know anything about God is through his word if we didn't have the word of God we wouldn't know anything about God so this is how we cast down these uh, imaginations bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ hallelujah so uh, these spiritual forces try to get involved, and they try to get us involved, uh, and they try to pull us over into our carnal thinking and to get us over into the flesh so that we're reacting in the flesh. Uh, but we have, we have spiritual weaponry. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the shield of faith, which we're specifically talking about today, uh, that are not limited. Uh, so we have to shut down our carnal mind. Sometimes it's not always Satan that brings these imaginations uh, and reasonings and, and doubt into our mind. Sometimes it's, it's just, uh, you know, the carnal mind until we get our mind renewed. But that's always a process. Keeping your mind renewed is, is, is an ongoing process. But until your mind's renewed, it begins to war uh, against the Word of God because of previous teachings and things that we've previously been taught that are not in agreement with the Word, uh, they will war in your mind. And I think it's Romans 8 says, uh, you know, the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, it's an enemy of God. It, it wants to argue, you know, it, it's already been taught something else and you got to like a computer, you got to delete that information out of there and you got to replace it with the Word of God. And once you get it replaced, it doesn't war with you uh, so often anymore.
So this is how we defeat the enemy when he comes against us. We enforce his defeat with the word of God. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil with the word, and he will flee from you. So in order to submit to God, we have to be submitted to his word. And if you're trusting God, you're trusting his word, because that's how we know God. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, uh, well, we're just trusting God. Well, what is it about God you're trusting? Uh, they better be trusting a promise or a scripture. You know, something, there's, there's a promise or a scripture they need to be trusting in. So when you say we're trusting God, you can give somebody, this is the scripture we're trusting God on. So if you don't know what the word says, how are you going to resist the devil? You can't. So we don't need to fight the devil as such in the natural because uh, that battle has already been won. Jesus has already defeated the devil for us. Um, you know, it, oftentimes we think, man, I'd like to break the devil's head open and I'd like to stomp him and give him a good kick and all this. That doesn't do anything. You know, that's just getting over in the natural on his terms and he'll, he'll defeat you every time. So don't allow him to drag you over into the natural and, you know, want to give him a punch up or something. I mean, I would be the first one to get in line, believe me. If we could do that, I'd be the first in line to break his head open. But that's not the way, we can't deal with him that way. And besides that, Jesus has already broken his head open. Our job on this earth is to enforce his defeat with the word of God. It's like um, the reason we have uh, police and law enforcement is because we have outlaws. We have laws passed that, that's, that say it's illegal to rob a bank. But if people are outlaws, they're going beyond the, the limits of the law. And that's why we have uh, police, is to bring them back within the limits of the law and say, no, you can't do that. And that's our job uh, as believers on this earth. We have authority over Satan. And that's what God said to Adam, take dominion over the earth. And, and that's what he meant. You bring anything that gets out of line with my word, you're to bring it back in line with my word. So we're, we're to enforce Satan's defeat on this earth. God's not coming back down here to do anything else about the devil. He's already stripped him of his power. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, in it, Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers that we read about in Ephesians 6. He disarmed these principalities and powers, and he made uh, an open show of them. Now, to spoil means, uh, the, the New King James here says disarmed. He disarmed principalities. I think the King James says he spoiled principalities. To spoil means to strip or to plunder. So, so Jesus stripped uh, Satan of his authority. Jesus has already stripped Satan of his authority. 
Um, you know, in the ancient times, when one king would defeat another king, uh, they would spoil, they would bring back the spoils of the land to their home, to the, the winning king would bring the spoils back. They would plunder uh, all the treasures of the com country, the money, the art, the statues, everything of national importance and value in that country. They would plunder that country and they would bring it all back with them to the, to the winning uh, city. And the, the triumphant king would ride in on his horse in all of his splendor. And here's the defeated king uh, traipsing along behind him, having to walk, disgraced, tied up, uh, bedraggled, yeah. defeated, and then all of his plunder is brought into the city and they have a huge parade and they would make an open show of this uh, king's defeat and all the spoils of the war brought back into the winning country. So that's what it means. Jesus made a public spectacle of Satan in the spirit realm. He put Satan's defeat on public, uh, public display, the entire spirit realm the demonic realm, the angelic realm, they saw Satan's defeat. Jesus triumphant over Satan. So this is a picture of what Jesus did uh, over Satan. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents. Now, we, we talked earlier about the word power. That word power is exousia, which means authority. It should be translated, I give you authority over uh, uh, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, different word power, dunamis, ability of the enemy. So the power here associated with Satan does not mean authority, it means ability. So Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, which are symbols of Satan, and over all the ability of the enemy. So when we get into strife with people, we got the wrong end of the stick. We need to be zeroing in on these powers and principalities. Uh, Hebrews 2, 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. Notice the word had, past tense. Had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now the word destroy here doesn't mean like you obliterate or you remove something. It means to paralyze. Jesus has already paralyzed Satan and rendered him harm, harmless. So we don't fight the devil and his forces as such. Uh, we come against them and we enforce their defeat with the word of God. Now let's take a little, uh, let's take a little side journey uh, here for a moment. Turn to... Um, Yeah, let's turn to uh, Numbers 21. Numbers 21, 6. 
We're talking about paralyzing the devil. Uh, you remember when the, the Israelites were in the wilderness? It says God sent fiery serpents among the people that bit them and many died. Remember that? Uh, that's in, um, yeah, Hebrews 21 sent. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Now, in the Old Testament, people always bring up these verbs. Uh, God sent so-and-so and, -so, and he's, he sent sickness and he sent destruction and so forth. Um, I won't get into the explanation of that right now, but in this case, God didn't send these fiery serpents. Those fiery serpents had been in the wilderness the whole time. Those serpents were in the wilderness before those people even got there. So God didn't send the serpents to, to bite them. They had been there all along. Uh, now someone will usually say, yeah, but God allowed it. But in the Old Testament, their mentality was, if God allowed something, he did it. And that's not true. Just because God permitted something didn't mean he committed it. So, unfortunately, there are thousands of churches today that teach the same thing. If God allows it, it's the same as if he did it. And that is not true. These serpents have been in, in the wilderness the whole time, but they never bit the people until now. Why now? Because the people begin to murmur and complain. Those serpents have been there the whole time and didn't harm them. But when they begin to murmur and to complain, they stirred up the snakes. And the moral to that story is, if you murmur and complain, you stir up the devil. And you stir up the snakes. Now, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a brass pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. Now, in the Bible, brass represents divine judgment. Okay? So another word for judgment is justice. Justice. So God, um, this brass serpent on the pole is an Old Testament type of Jesus on the cross. Okay? The serpent on a pole, Jesus said, put a brass serpent on the pole, lift it up. When the people look at it, they'll be healed of the snake bites. This represents divine judgment on Satan. In John 16, 11, talking about Satan, Jesus said the prince of this world is judged. And that was Jesus talking about him personally going to the cross and serving justice on Satan. John 12, 32, Jesus said, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. So in the Old Testament, this was an Old Testament type of Jesus on the cross, put a brass serpent on the pole, lift it up, let, when the people look at it, they'll be healed. Now verse 9, So Moses made a bronze or a brass serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, 
When he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, this is an Old Testament type of Jesus becoming sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he, uh, he knew no sin, became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. And 1 John 3 verse 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy, or same word, paralyze, the works of the devil. So divine judgment paralyzed Satan, rendering him harmless. Now, a brass serpent can't hurt anybody. So the, so the brass serpent represented uh, Satan already judged as harmless. A brass serpent has no life. It can't hurt anybody. So when everyone that was bitten by the serpent looks at the brass serpent, they were healed. They shall live. This is a type of Jesus the healer, an Old Testament type of Jesus the healer. So God said, if you look at what has happened to Satan, paralyzed by Jesus, put on the cross, Satan will have no effect on you, even though, he, even though he's bitten you, you will live and not die because he is defeated. This is an Old Testament type of that. Now, turn back to uh, Exodus 4. Exodus 4, we have, uh, you know, the story of Moses. God calls Moses to go before Pharaoh. And God said, uh, Moses, what's that you have in your hand? And he said, a rod. Now that rod is an Old Testament symbol of Jesus. Okay? The rod. The word of God. The rod. Now, Isaiah 11 says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And that was a prophecy concerning the coming of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus in Isaiah 11. So it refers there to Jesus as a rod out of the stem of Jesse. So the rod of Moses was symbolic in the Old Testament of Jesus. God says, throw down your rod. What happened when, what happened when he threw the rod down? Do you remember? It became a serpent, a symbol of the devil. God said, okay, pick it up by the tail. He picked it up by the tail. What happened? Turned back into a rod, didn't it? Okay? Now, so God, Moses says, I can't go, I can't talk. I can't go before Moses by myself. So God sends Aaron and Moses together to see Pharaoh and say, let my people go. So, uh, Pharaoh... Pharaoh asked Moses for a sign. Give me a sign. Uh, so he said, okay. So, so Aaron throws the rod down, and it becomes a snake. And Pharaoh says, big deal. My magicians can do that. So he calls his magicians over and says, okay, magicians, you do the same. So Pharaoh's mag magicians throw their rods down, and they become snakes. But... You remember what happened next? Aaron's rod swallowed up the magician's rod. Aaron's rod, 
Aaron's, the snake that became Aaron's rod was a king snake. And king snakes swallow other snakes. So, when, when, uh, when Moses threw that rod down the first time and it became a uh, snake and he took it up and it became a rod again, that is symbolic of Jesus becoming sin for us. He went into hell. He paid the, the price for our sin, sickness, disease. He defeated Satan. And when he was raised from the dead, taken back up, he became the word again. So do you see? The rod became a snake. When he picked it up, it became a rod again. Jesus became sin for us. When he was raised from the dead, he became the word again. So this is an Old Testament type of, of Jesus becoming sin for us. Uh, in Isaiah 25, 8, it says, He will swallow up death forever. And when, that, when, Aaron's, when Aaron threw that rod down and became a snake and it ate up, Pharaoh's snakes, that was an Old Testament type of Jesus swallowing up the devil for us. He said he will swallow up death forever. So in the New Testament, God allows things today because we allow them. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. So don't spend your time trying to fight people. Okay, so, uh, you know, if we don't do what God says, if we don't uh, submit to God, submit to the word, enforce Satan's defeat with the word, and, and if Satan continues to harass us, then it's really our fault, you know, because if, if God allows what we allow, we have authority over this planet, we have to enforce Satan's defeat. Revelation 12, 11 says... They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So sometimes people give more testimony to what the devil's doing than they do to what God's doing. But our testimony is supposed to be a testimony about the word. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you try to point this out to people and say, well, you know, uh, don't give testimony to the devil. You know, they'll say, yeah, I know that's what the Bible says, but this is what happened to me. So they, they've cast out the word, and they want to talk about the problem, and they want to talk about what happened to them. But uh, we have to resist Satan by enforcing the word on him and not talking the problem. So Jesus taught us how to handle Satan. Uh, you know, in uh, Matthew 4, and I think it's in Luke 4, when Satan came to uh, tempt Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus taught us there how to handle Satan. Uh, Satan tried to get Jesus to do something physically. He tried to get him over into the physical realm, out of the faith realm, out of the spirit realm. He wanted him to do something physically. Turn these stones to bread. Jump off the temple, um, you know, bow down and worship me. 
He was trying to pull Jesus over into this natural, physical realm, and if he would have been able to do it, he would have defeated Jesus right there. Uh, Jesus would have been submitting himself to Satan, and Satan would have said, I got you. But, but Jesus knew how to handle Satan. He refused to do anything physically. He refused to get over and deal with Satan in the physical realm. He always came back in the spirit with the word, it is written. It is written. So he kept Satan over in the faith realm on the word of God, and that's how he defeated him. And Jesus, uh, I mean, Satan could never get Jesus off the word. And so he left him for a time. He said, I'm wasting my time on this guy. Nothing I do is going to get him off that word, so I might as well leave. And he'll do the same with you. When he knows he can't get you off the word, he'll leave. And he'll come back and try to find a more convenient time. So as long as you stay on the word, God will back you up. You get off the word, and you get out there in the natural in Satan's territory, and he's going to defeat you. So, uh, in Ephesians 6.16, uh, Paul uses the, uh, he uses the sh the, a shield to represent faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, above all here doesn't mean the shield of faith is more important than all the other weapons. So above all doesn't have to do with importance. It's talking about position, the position of the shield or the location of the shield. Above all is, uh, in the Greek, actually means covering all or out in front of, to cover or to go out in front of. So it completely covers you and goes with you everywhere you go. We talked about taking the shield of faith. This is something we have to do. We have to take the shield of faith. It's not running after us. We have to take it. Uh, we have to take the word of God. And the shield of faith is produced when you speak God's word. Your confession of the word of God is the shield of faith. And it builds a shield of faith around you, uh, much like an invisible aura or like an invisible piece of plastic or something uh, around you that protects you uh, and, and uh, protects you against these fiery darts of the wicked. So we can build that shield of faith as strong as we want to make it because that shield of faith is produced by speaking words of faith and the word of God that you put in your heart. If the word of God abides in you, then you have faith in you. Now, how do we know that the shield of faith comes by speaking the word of God? Because Romans 10.8 says, do I have that here? Yeah. Romans 10.8 says, the word is nigh you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. And verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we know that God's word is filled with God's faith, or you couldn't get faith from hearing it. 
much like, uh, you know, this glass has water. If I can pour water out of it, we know there's got to be water in the glass. So if you can get faith from God's word, you know God's word has to contain God's faith. So, uh, uh, you know, I was reading uh, about, you read a lot of different descriptions about these Roman shields. Some were small handhelds. Some were supposed to be as big as a door that you could actually get behind the whole, you know, the size of one of those doors. You could actually get behind the whole door and the whole thing would protect you. But I read where um, often, uh, at least in some cases, these Roman soldiers would take their shield and they would soak it in water so that when the enemy uh, fired arrows that were on fire and that when they hit that shield, the water-drenched shield would extinguish the fire and it, and it couldn't hurt them. So how does this apply to us as believers? Well, our shield of faith is maintained by our confession of the word and in uh, Ephesians 5:26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her talking about the body of Christ with the washing of water by the word so the word of God uh, is often a symbol in the New Testament uh, uh, water is often a symbol of the word of God so as long as we're maintaining our confession of God's word, it's like we're, we're keeping our shield soaked in the word and it will extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. James 3.6, uh, sorry, did I write, I guess I didn't write down James 3.6, talks about uh, fiery darts. It, the tongue, defileth the whole body. Let's turn there. I thought I wrote that one down. Um, did I, have I put James 3, 6 on there before? There it is, yeah. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Now this agrees with what Jesus said in Matthew 15. Jesus said to the Pharisees, it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of your heart that defiles you. So, uh, this verse in James says, It, the tongue, defiles um, the body. It's set among our members. It defiles the whole body. And it is set on fire of hell. Jesus said it's not what goes into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man, and it, the tongue, sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. So these fiery darts can be imaginations, uh, reasonings in your mind, doubt in your mind. Uh, it can also be Satan trying to get to your tongue, wanting you to, to speak negative, wanting you to retaliate. He wants the words of your mouth. He wants to stop your confession because if he can stop your confession, then he can, uh, you know, you, you, you stop your confession, you lay that shield of faith down, and those fiery darts can get to you. He wants you to say it's not working. He wants you to say I'm not healed. He wants you to say all is lost. 
He's shooting fiery darts to try to stop your confession because he knows if he can stop your confession of the word, that shield of faith radiates around you and protects you from his fiery darts. So, you know, uh, if the shield of faith is built from our confession of God's word, then the shield of doubt is uh, built from wrong thinking and wrong talking. And sometimes people take up the shield of doubt and quench all the blessings instead of taking up the shield of faith and quenching all the fiery darts. Hallelujah. So, uh, in Mark 4, Four, Jesus said, These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. This parable of the sower, Jesus talked about four conditions of the heart. And these uh, thorns can represent... Uh, previous teachings that you've heard in the past, traditions based on personal experience and Greek philosophy. These traditions of man are, uh, are make up part of this condition, the heart that Jesus referred to as thorns, and they choke the word and they make it unfruitful. This is why when people hear the word, and they say, yeah, I know that, but in our church we preach it some other way. Or, 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 or I was taught so-and-so. Thorns. Thorns, and they choke out the word. So, um, in the Amplified, it says, the cares and anxieties of this world. The cares and anxieties of this world. Uh, the word translated cares is the Greek word, um, which is also translated worry. In other translations, uh, we'll see the word where Jesus said, the cares of this world entering in. The common English Bible says the worries of this life. The worries of this life. So cares and worry uh, in the New Testament are translated from the same Greek word, merimneo, and... Um, so it's, they both mean the same. Cares, in our modern day language, we wouldn't say care so much. We would say worry. The Amplified Bible says they creep in. The King James Version says the cares of the, and anxieties of this world entering in. The Amplified Bible says that they creep in. And they choke the word. Uh... So how do they enter in? Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So when Jesus is talking about worries and cares here, he's talking about... Uh, the necessities of life, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, how do these anxieties enter in? Enter in your, your uh, mouth and into your heart and into your mind. Verse 31, Jesus tells us, Therefore, take no thought, saying, don't take the thought or the care of the worry by saying. This word thought is the same Greek word translated cares and worry. In Mark 4, it means an anxious thought or worry. Take no anxious thought by saying. Because what you say on a regular basis is what gets down in your heart. So the way these cares and anxious thoughts and imaginations and reasonings, the, uh, they come to choke the word. That's what Jesus is telling us. And the way they enter in to your heart is by saying them. So Jesus says, don't take the thought or the care or the worry by saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, wherewithal shall we be clothed? The Common English Bible says, therefore don't worry and say. Don't worry and say. This is why confessing the word of God, saying what God says about you is so powerful because it gets down in your heart and you begin to see yourself the way God sees you. God's word is God's image of you, and by speaking his word, which builds up this shield of faith around you, and it gets down in your heart, it paints an image of the way God sees you. He sees you healed. He sees you blessed and prosperous. He sees you overcoming. And these doubts and cares and anxious thoughts will die unborn, Unless you start talking about them. And if you start talking about them, this is why when people want to talk about the problem all the time, they've talked about it for so long, now they've got it in their heart, and that's all they want to talk about. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why you can talk to somebody for three minutes, and you can tell what's in their heart. You can tell where their faith level is. As soon as they start talking that problem, you know that's what's in their heart, and you know they've been talking about it. But if you just, if you don't talk it, those doubts and anxieties will die unborn. Brother Hagen used to say, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you don't have to let them nest, build a nest. You know, just let them fly over. So we don't take anxious thoughts, by, and, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. Asking questions, uh, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? It's casting a question mark over God's provision for us. So don't take anxious thought by casting a question mark over God's provision and saying, how is God going to do this? Where are we going to get that? 
How is he going to, you know, how is this going to happen? That's casting a question mark over God's ability to provide. And it's, and it's getting worried, stressed, and anxious about the necessities of life. He knows that we have need of them. So we don't take anxious thought about the necessities of life, and we don't cast a question mark over God's provision by taking thought and saying, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to do this? How is God going to do that? Where is he going to get this? Where are we going to get that? That's casting, that's taking the thought and saying it. And it's casting a question mark over God's ability to provide. So, uh, you know, uh, don't say, well, the gas, petrol prices are going up. You know, what are we going to do? Uh, and so forth. Uh, uh, Brother Roberts, uh, Oral Roberts' wife once said, uh, well, bacon is gone from $1 to $4. And Brother Roberts said, well, the same God that provided the $1 bacon will provide the $4 bacon. Amen? So that's the way we handle it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when, when Jesus was, you know, some people say, well, Jesus uh, never had a wrong desire and he never had a, a, a wrong thought. Well, that's not true because the, in Hebrews 2, it says, um, it's gone down here. Hebrews 2, for indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham, that's us. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Um, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So Jesus came to earth as a man, son of God, in a flesh and blood body just like ours. And he was tempted with everything we're tempted with. He was tempted with negative thoughts. He was tempted with wrong desires. And if that's not true, then if Jesus never had a wrong thought or wrong desire, he couldn't have been tempted. That's how Satan was trying to deal with him out there in the wilderness, tempting him to, to do something in the natural that would give Satan... Uh, an advantage over him and cause Satan, cause Jesus to submit himself to Satan. And the Bible says it was a temptation. It was a temptation for him to do it because he knew otherwise he's going to have to go to that cross. And, and it, so you know, if I just do what he's saying here, if I just bow down to him one time, I don't have to go to that cross. And it, and, and it was, you know, it was weighing on his mind. The Bible says it was a temptation, but he, he didn't yield to it. He, he knew how to handle Satan, and he handled him with the word of God. Jesus took the shield of faith. He spoke what the word says. It is written. That's how he handles Satan. That's the way we handle Satan. So the next time Satan says, you're not going to get healed, you're not going to get the money, uh, you know, take the shield of faith and say what God says. Amen? 
It is written. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But in his word or in his law does he meditate day and night. He's like a tree planted by rivers of water, uh, bringing forth fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, neither... Uh, oh, his, his uh, leaves shall not wither, and he shall meditate in the word of God uh, day and night, and he will prosper in all that he does. So keep, keep that before Satan. Come back, take up the shield of faith, say what God says. So it's not a matter of God having to do something. It's a matter of what God has already done. He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of his word, that's how we know God, through his word, whereby are giving unto us uh, exceeding great and precious promises. So God has already made provision. It's a matter of us making a demand on the provision that he's already made. So don't take the thought saying, what are we going to do? It might not work this time because that's putting a question mark and a doubt over God's provision. Your faith will stop at the question mark. So when, when you've got the word of God abiding in your heart and in your mouth, that's the shield of faith and it's a deterrent to the enemy. It's a deterrent to Satan and when he knows he's not going to be able to, to get you off that word, he'll leave you just like he left Jesus. Amen? So keep speaking faith words. Keep that shield of faith built up. It'll, it's like a plexiglass uh, protection around you that will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. If the word abides in you, then faith is there. Amen? So that's what the shield of faith is made of, faith in God's word and his provision. So we're not going to let the devil cheat us out of it. Amen? Hallelujah.